What's it going to be then, eh? There was me, that is Alex, and my three droogs, that is Pete, Georgie, and Dim. Dim being really dim. And we sat in the Corova milk bar, making up our Rasadukes, what to do with the evening. A flip dark chill winter bastard, though dry. The Corova milk bar was a milk plus mesto, and you may, oh my brothers, have forgotten what these mestos were like. Things changing so scory these days, and everybody very quick to forget. Newspapers not being read much neither. Well, what they sold there was milk plus something else. Welcome to another episode of Book Blurbs. I'm your host, Kenneth, and this episode we're diving into a bleak, dystopian future that questions the morality of free will. Is it better to choose to be bad or to be conditioned to do good? Join me as we venture forth into the weird, disturbing world of A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. Published in 1962, A Clockwork Orange tells the story of 15-year-old Alex, a teenager prone to crime and violence. Alex is the leader of a delinquent gang who goes around committing ultra-violent acts each night. Alex and the other gang members, Georgie, Pete, and Dim, Speak in a made-up jargon called NADSAT. Alex, an only child, is witty, opportunistic, and likes to be in control. He is fond of classical music, especially anything by Beethoven. Alex and his gang terrorize innocent people who are weak or unsuspecting of their true motives. And they commit atrocities such as rape, assault, burglary, grand theft auto, and murder. Quite the rap sheet for a bunch of teenagers. Eventually, Alex's evil deeds catch up to him, and the police arrest him. In prison, Alex works with the chaplain, who mistakes Alex's study of scripture for a growing seed of faith, but in truth, Alex just flips through the Old Testament passages about war, rape, and other violent acts. To shorten his prison sentence considerably, Alex volunteers to undertake a behavior modification treatment called the Ludovico Technique, a form of aversion therapy. The state proceeds with this novel experiment to redeem Alex, but author Anthony Burgess asks readers, at what cost? The book has three parts, each with seven chapters. And Burgess has stated that the total of 21 chapters was an intentional nod to the age of 21 being recognized as a milestone in human maturation. The 21st chapter was notably omitted from the editions published in the United States prior to 1986. 
The edition I read, however, includes the final chapter, and it completely changes the tone and outcome of the story. Readers really do get a totally different ending without that final chapter. Perhaps the most surprising thing about A Clockwork Orange is Anthony Burgess wrote the entire book in just three weeks. John Anthony Burgess Wilson was born on February 25th, 1917, in England to his Catholic parents, Joseph and Elizabeth Wilson. At his confirmation, Burgess took the saint name Anthony. He began using his pen name Anthony Burgess when his 1956 novel, Time for a Tiger, was published. His mother died at the age of 30 during the 1918 flu pandemic. His sister had died four days earlier from the pandemic. He believed that his father resented him for surviving while his mother and sister had died. His father remarried, and he employed Burgess, who was still a child at the time, in his tobacco shop. Burgess's father died in 1938, leaving him with no inheritance, despite his business apparently having success. Burgess's stepmother died soon after in 1940. Burgess has said of his childhood, quote, I was either distractedly persecuted or ignored. I was one despised. Ragged boys and gangs would pounce on the well-dressed like myself. He also remembered, When I went to school, I was able to read. At the Manchester Elementary School I attended, most of the children could not read, so I was a little apart, rather different than the rest. Burgess was indifferent to music until he heard a composition by Claude Debussy. He referred to this as, quote, a psychedelic moment, a recognition of verbally inexpressible spiritual realities. When Burgess announced to his family that he wanted to be a composer, they objected as there was no money in it, they said. His school did not teach music, but at the age of about 14, he taught himself how to play the piano. Burgess wanted to study music at his university, but the music department turned him down because he had bad grades in physics. I can't say I'm quite sure of the reasoning behind that decision, but Burgess instead chose to study English literature and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts. Burgess met Lynn Jones at university, and the two married on January 22nd, 1942. While Burgess was serving in the British Army during World War II, four American deserters raped and assaulted his pregnant wife, Lynn, and as a result, the child was lost. This event inspired Burgess to eventually write A Clockwork Orange. Burgess left the Army in 1946 with the rank of Sergeant Major and became a teacher. He eventually became a writer full-time. In 1963, Burgess began an affair with Liana Maestlari. 
an Italian translator who was 12 years younger than Burgess. A year later, Liana gave birth to Burgess's son. Burgess kept the affair secret from Lynn, who died in 1968. After Lynn's death, Burgess married Liana and acknowledged his son as his own. Burgess died on November 22, 1993, in London. Although mostly remembered for his books and writing, Burgess said, I wish people would think of me as a musician who writes novels, instead of a novelist who writes music on the side. After the break, we'll take a closer look at A Clockwork Orange, and I'll give my overall thoughts, impressions, and rating. Welcome back to this episode of Book Blurbs. Today we're talking about Anthony Burgess's 1962 book, A Clockwork Orange. So what's the meaning of this strange book title? Burgess explained, quote, I've implied the junction of the organic, the lively, the sweet. In other words, life, the orange. And the mechanical, the cold, the disciplined. I brought them together in this kind of oxymoron, this sour, sweet word. He's also explained it as a metaphor for, quote, an organic entity, full of juice and sweetness and agreeable odor, being turned into a mechanism. In other words, the title refers to a person who has been made robotic in behavior but retains all other aspects of humanity. One of the toughest things about A Clockwork Orange, aside from its ultra-violent content, is Burgess's invented NADSAT slang language that the story's main character and first-person narrator, Alex, speaks in. This makes A Clockwork Orange feel like it's almost written in a foreign language. This strange, jumbled mix of Russian, Cockney, and made-up words with a level of onomatopoeia can easily make this book feel unapproachable. Burgess thought that the NADSAT slang would keep the book from seeming dated and would also muffle the raw response of pornography from the numerous acts of violence in the story. I did not enjoy the NADSAT slang. I had no idea what a lot of the words meant at the beginning of the book, and Alex piles them on pretty heavily from the start. There's no easing into this NADSAT language, no other narrator to swoop in to grant readers a reprieve from it. I will say, however, that it became easier to understand as the story went on. I began to use uh, context clues to divine the meaning of certain NADSAT words. And by that point in the story, I had simply seen the same word used enough times to glean its meaning. While I understand that NADSAT is supposed to really immerse readers in the mindset of this immature schoolboy, I see it as an unnecessary language barrier that will scare off less committed or interested readers. 
I think Burgess could have achieved the same irreverent, angsty, immature-sounding tone without using his NADSAT slang. It also presents obstacles that prevent rich themes and symbols from really shining. Readers really have to focus and spend so much energy translating NADSAT that they may, unfortunately, miss out on the story's strong imagery. For example, Alex visits a place with a sign that says home at two different times in the story. One time, he goes there intent on being violent, disrupting all positive connotations of a home. The other time, however, he goes to the same place, seeking refuge, warmth, and comfort, feelings commonly associated with home. Milk is also prominently featured throughout the story, but its significance may be dampened by all of the NADSAT language and descriptions surrounding its appearances in the narrative. The other thing that made A Clockwork Orange difficult for me to enjoy is the quote-unquote protagonist, Alex. Alex is such a self-satisfied, despicable character. He is thrilled by violence and bloodshed, and he believes that evil is the natural state for humanity. By choosing to commit evil acts, he would argue, he is choosing to be fully human. He loves the sound of his own voice, he's self-absorbed, and he thinks he's the smartest or most cultured person in the entire room. I found it hard to even pity him during his time in prison because he's such an unlikable character. A Clockwork Orange contains several discussion-worthy themes like fate and free will, morality and ethics, good versus evil, manipulation, power, transformation, violence, freedom, and language and communication. The prison chaplain brings up a lot of these themes in his discussions with Alex. What does God want? He asks. Does God want goodness or the choice of goodness? Is a man who chooses the bad perhaps in some ways better than a man who has the good imposed upon him? The prison chaplain also delivers the following quote. When a man cannot choose, he ceases to be a man. This quote will sound very familiar to fans of the 2007 video game Bioshock, in which Andrew Ryan tells the player, A man chooses, a slave obeys. Burgess called a clockwork orange, quote, too didactic to be artistic. He claimed that the violent content of the story nauseated him, and he was shocked that he was even capable of writing it. He considers A Clockwork Orange to be a novel that I am prepared to repudiate. The book will always be tied to Stanley Kubrick's 1971 film adaptation, which is unfortunate in Burgess's view. Kubrick's wife gave him a copy of the book, and he was 
extremely excited by it. He said, quote, I was excited by everything about it. The plot, the ideas, the characters, and of course, the language. The story functions, of course, on several levels, political, sociological, philosophical, and what's most important, on a dreamlike, psychological, symbolic level. Burgess wished that the film had incorporated his final chapter of the book, but Kubrick thought that the final chapter was unconvincing and inconsistent with the rest of the story. Now, I haven't seen the film before, but this may be one of the few times where it could be beneficial to see the movie before reading the book, given the challenges posed by the Nadsat slang. Plus, there's still the intrigue of finding out what that controversial final chapter is all about since the film does not include it. I was ready to hate A Clockwork Orange and include it up there with Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness in terms of books I can't stand and will never recommend. I struggled with part one of this book. I couldn't get into the story or the characters, and I did not have a grip on the Nadsat slang yet. However, my outlook changed in part two. I found myself invested in Alex's transformation, and I got a handle on the slang. I still don't like Alex as a character, but Burgess presents some really tough questions that warrant consideration, and I don't regret spending my time exploring his dystopian world. So let's get right, in, right into my rating here. As a reminder, my custom rating system from best to worst is bookshelf worthy, buy, library, spark notes, and pass. I started going back and forth on this, giving myself plenty of time to consider this after finishing the book, but I finally settled on spark notes. This way, you can get a general feel for all the good parts of the book, namely its deep themes and questions that it poses, without the annoyance and hassle of the Nadsat slang and the frustration of Alex's contemptible personality and attitude. If you're feeling adventurous and up to the challenge, though, A Clockwork Orange is a solid library checkout especially considering even with the inclusion of its final chapter, it's only 200-odd pages long. So definitely a manageable read. And that, my friends, is A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. One last parting note before we go, I will say that the book presents Burgess with an air of a greater-than-thou attitude. For example, on one of the first pages of the book, his bio says, Anthony Burgess has been called one of the very few literary geniuses of our time. Certainly, he borrowed from no other literary source than himself. And then on the back, we've got a blurb here from William S. Burroughs, and it says, I do not know of any other writer who has done as much with language as Mr. Burgess has done here. So I don't know if that's 
how Anthony Burgess wanted to present himself and how he carried himself, or if that's more the publisher's doing. But anyway, just a little thing I noticed there as I was uh, looking at the book one last time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Book Blurbs. I invite you to follow the podcast on social media on Facebook and Twitter at BookBlurbs19. You can also send an email to bookblurbs19 at gmail.com and leave a voice message at www.anchor.fm bookblurbs. Please do me a favor and leave a rating for Book Blurbs on whichever podcasting platform you're listening to this episode on, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., I've been your host, Kenneth, and shout out to my international listeners. I really appreciate you being a part of this audience, and I hope to welcome all of you back on the next episode of Book Blurbs. Stay safe and stay well.